Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. Today, I get the honor of introducing you to a brand new young entrepreneur by the name of Taylor Tippett. Taylor is 25 years old and has an incredibly bright future ahead. Not only does she have 120,000 followers on Instagram, but she's in the process of writing a book that is going to come out in about six months. So I want you to sit back and listen to this interview. You're going to hear a little bit about her story, her pain, her journey, and uh, where she's going. And I'm excited for you to have a new friend in your life. We want to do the best we can to add value to you. And I'm hopeful this podcast will do just that. Hey, if you will, please go by iTunes if you haven't already done so and give us a five-star rating. You can also place some questions or comments there. We read each one and we want to do the best we can to make this podcast better for you. So sit back, relax, and listen to this interview and let Taylor add value to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited you are here. Actually, you're here at Forest Park Church for the entire weekend. We've had the honor of having you here for the last few days. You met with our ladies for our Propel uh, gathering Saturday morning in the lobby, and uh, the ladies enjoyed having you with us. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I was really excited to be here, and y'all have a really special church um, it's been really awesome. Great. Well, it's it's been a privilege to get to know a little bit more of your story and also uh, kind of where you've been and where you are now, where you're going, which I hope we can get into uh, today. You uh, are going to be speaking to our students tonight at our next gathering, which we're really excited about. I know a lot of the uh, students, middle school, high school, gather here uh, once a month. Uh, for a next gathering and Taylor's our special speaker tonight so she's going to get into probably some of her story and kind of where you are and what's going on so all right let me introduce you to our audience Taylor because I'm just getting a chance to get to know you I've been following you a little bit on uh, you know social media and my wife Lana has kind of been a fan of yours uh, for the last uh, few months and contacted you and said hey can you please come to Forest Park and you were so gracious to accept our invitation and here you are so i want to introduce you though to our audience because i'm sure there are some listening who are not they don't know who taylor is yeah okay so uh you you're at your flight attendant today and uh you're 25 years old yep 25 flight attendant yep 25 years old but uh you're kind of you know got we got to know you because of something you started um words from window seat words from the window seat yeah it took off on instagram especially and how long ago was that kind of give us a little backstory to that because i want every single person listening to this podcast to begin to follow you (laughs) and learn a little bit from you and be inspired from you and i I think context is important so you know why did you start it what is it why did it take off and let's talk a little bit about that yeah um i started words from the window seat probably um in, I think it was in like October of 2014. Um, uh, I had just been a flight attendant for, um, I got hired in April. So a little bit over s- like eight months, I feel like. I'm not good at math, but it was, I had been a flight attendant for a little bit and I was um, just going through a hard time. I was in a super unhealthy relationship and um, was sitting on um, an early morning flight and was journaling and just kind of needed like a pep talk and needed some love. And so I wrote down um, a sentence um, on a piece of paper and um, taped it to the window seat and or not the window seat to the window and kind of just had the heart to um, want to share it with my followers because I felt like um, if I was going through a hard time, like maybe they could be encouraged from it too. And um, so yeah, I taped it up and blogged about it a little bit on my Instagram and um, decided to leave it in the seat back pocket for someone else to find this piece of paper. And um, from there, I got a lot of um, encouragement and like just love from it. And so many people loved it that I was like, maybe I want to make this a like photo series project and like create a hashtag um, so people could keep, could keep up with it. So people could also contribute to it. And it's really cool. So I've been doing it, I mean, for almost three years now. Wow. And um, other people have done it. Like if you check the hashtag of it, I, at the last time I checked, it was like over 2000 posts. So like other people do it and they share their story or like something they're going through or just yeah. something encouraging. And then they'll put it on a piece of paper, tape it post it on their Instagram, write about it and what it means to them, and then they leave it for someone else to find. That's so, awesome. So yeah. do you remember what, what the first message was that you take um, 
I always do, but I've forgotten. But um, it was, uh, it had to do with, oh man, I wish, this is really important and I probably shouldn't know. But um, it was be kind to yourself or love. It had to do with either kindness or self-love. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact statement because I've done a lot of them. Um, but yeah, and that was the first thing because I just needed that like affirmation. So it was almost as if you were doing it for yourself. Yeah. But, and thought, hey, if I need this, somebody else needs it too. Yeah, and yeah. You just taped it up and you just use some, some tape you have on your cart. Yeah, yeah. It was from, we get catering papers on like right. our carts that we bring out in the aisle and I ripped off a piece of tape and... It was a very random, like, sure. I just, but I was like, I don't know. I feel like I just wanted to, like, create some sort as a creative. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have something that was tangible with words, also with images, and, um, yeah, and be able to have it. And Why do you think this went off so quickly? What it, what does that say about people? Um, I think it says a lot about people just, like, needing affirmation and love and how our words are so important. But also, I just thought it was so cool, and I still think it's so cool that, like, it's the smallest thing. It yeah. literally, my little notebook I got is a dollar at the dollar store. The tape was free, and that's it. And, like, I mean, it blew up, and it's a piece of paper. Yeah. And I think that just says so much about, like, how the little things matter so much and how our, like, personal stories and, like, encouragement matter so much to other people. Because, I mean, everybody loved it and caught on to it. And, I mean, it's not, like, rocket science. You know, right. I just took what I had and used it. And um, I think that's why people loved it so much. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, we live in such a materialistic world that yeah. we think we have to spend so much money to encourage, you know, people yeah. or have a good time. And yeah. here you took something very inexpensive, mm-hmm. but it came from your heart. Yeah. Stuck it up and it encouraged whoever it was that sat down the next yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah. I've never, um, like, I don't know. I don't wait around to, like, see the people find it. Yeah. Um, I just leave it there. And mm-hmm. I don't, I've never, like gotten I don't know the result of it you know yeah. I don't know have you ever had anyone contact you to tell you or any kind I don't of write private? any sort of like name on it I just want someone to find it and know it was for them yeah. and not ever like I don't want to ever it to ever come back to me maybe there's someone who like heard of me or like mm-hmm. you know and realized but I don't even think like I mean I'm not that well known so someone yeah. would have to like be very tech savvy to have followed me and like get it but sure. Um, yeah. And I don't also like force myself to leave them all the time. It's only when I feel like I have a word that I can put down and share. How often does it happen? Um, I haven't been doing it that often because I feel like, um, I've just been so focused on like other trying to figure out like so many other things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it just, honestly, I don't have a set schedule. It's whenever I feel like sometimes there was like three in a week or there was one every six months. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just whenever I feel like I have something I need to share or I feel like, so when you do it, it really comes from your heart Yeah, because it's something fresh and yeah. Or something I heard from someone that really stuck with me or something I'm learning or something God gave me and I put it out there, but it's never like I want to get on Pinterest and Google a quote and like hang it up. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how Lana found out about you through through this process and uh, just kind of following you and just thought it was such a great way to just take what you have in front of you and encourage people with it. Yeah. And you were going through a tough time at that at that time when you began. What what was going on in your life at that moment that kind of led you to that place of going, man, I need some encouragement here. Yeah. um, Well, for starters, I had just gotten a new job. I had moved to a new city. Um, and where was I, that then? That was Chicago. You were living in Chicago. I was in Chicago, okay. yeah. Um, and I had just, I was about to move and transfer to D.C. Um, so at the start of this season, though, in April when I first got hired, I was a brand new flight attendant, had a new job. Um, I, I literally was living in a closet. Um, I found a random room on Craigslist. I live with this Vietnamese family. The rent was like $300. So I was like, I'm going to take it. So I was just... And you were like 21 at this time? I was 20 when I first got hired. So I was 20. um, Yeah, I was 21 year old in Chicago. Yeah. Living with this random family. They barely could speak English. And I (laughs) I did it. And so, um, yeah, that was the start of it. And right when I had first graduated from training, um, I uh, had met a boy and I was in a relationship. And it was um, I didn't I was in a relationship before I had even met him because it was like through the Internet. And so um, which is really weird to say. 
Um, but yeah, so I was, I had just got a new job, was young, living in a new city, had like, had like two friends in Chicago, um, and was in a long distance relationship because he was in Virginia. Um, and so it was just really hard, number one, but then as time went on and closer to when words from the window seat started, um, he, uh, the relationship was super unhealthy. And so I feel like because of the things that were happening in the relationship, um, it had caused me to want to, um, to like search for more and kind of encourage myself because of just how bad the relationship was. So that's kind of where the heart from words from the window seat started from. And like all the things that were going on behind the scenes was kind of like, not necessarily a cry for help, but like a way to encourage myself, even though I felt so broken. So, yeah. Yeah, It's amazing. It's a great story. And I know a lot of people have asked you about it and you probably even get tired of maybe talking about how it all got started, but it's so encouraging to others because I think often, you know, I know I speak often in front of people and here at the church and get a chance to sit down and talk with people in my office and things and people want to make a difference, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately they think they have to have whatever it is, you know, the degree, the job, a certain amount of money to really make a difference in the world. But here you are, a 21-year-old, going through your own pain, Mm -hmm. and you decide to use something right in front of you to just encourage the next person. I'm sure when you tape that up, you weren't thinking of encouraging 10,000 people. You were thinking of whoever sits down in the seat, maybe that'll encourage them. You know, and I'm hopeful that that was almost like a seed you planted, and now you're getting opportunities to speak to people. Yeah. We had you here this weekend. Mm-hmm. You stood in front of, you know, nearly 90 ladies and encouraged them with your story and talked. And then tonight in front of all these students and you've had other podcasts you've done. So it was almost as if it was a seed you planted and now it's coming back. And I know you certainly are a gift to a lot of other people. And you have, uh, you know, the ability to encourage people today. And it all started just from a piece of paper. Yeah. So that is so encouraging others. So I just want to say to those listening, find something, whatever it is, just find something around you, wherever you work, at school, in your office or whatever, you know, you can do the same thing. It can be a a statement or a quote or use Facebook for something good, you know, or Instagram or whatever it is you do, put quotes out, put things out that will encourage people. Yeah. Well, you're in the process, too, of a very big project, at least I think it is, and that is a book yeah. you're writing. All right. Yeah. You got to talk to us about the book, and I want to kind of open some things up as to, to what's going to be in the book and why you're writing it. So tell us what, why, why the book. How did someone approach you about writing it? Did you yeah. contact somebody and say, hey, I want to put all this down in, in writing, kind of your childhood and your mm-hmm. young adult years? What? Tell us about Um, I... It wasn't always a writer and a creative person, but I feel like God gave me that um, as like a gift to honestly through some of the pain that I carried. I feel like that was a way to like finally like deal with it healthily um, instead of some of the other things that I, you know, have chose growing up. But yeah, so I felt like writing was a gift from God and um, I just like started writing um, probably when I was in high school and it started with poetry and um, then I used it on like a blog and then now through Instagram and so I've always loved words and they've always been such like a healing thing for me um and also a way to show people Jesus without even having to say Jesus's name so I already had that desire in my heart and one day I was on a flight um that was pretty hectic and the boarding had just finished and I was closing overhead bins and there's not a lot of times um that I have heard God but it was I literally was closing a bin and I heard him say, you're writing a book. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm at work right now. What are you talking about? And I just felt like this we- like this weird feeling and I just felt him tell me that. And I wasn't even thinking about it. It was so crazy. So I was like, I don't know if I can write a book, but like, what? I don't want to really. But, um, you know, okay. And so I like kind of meditated on it and I was like, what would I even write about? And I just felt like... Um, so much so like with our day and age and with women and even with men like we just like have this mindset of like not even fake it till we make it but like fake it until we fit in and Mm. it's so hard to keep up with it's so exhausting and I just started like I mean from the from honestly since I've known Jesus um it's just always been about like pain and like not being embarrassed like I've never been it's been hard to talk about, but like just my pain has been, has made me so much of who I am for sometimes the worst, but also the better too. Um, and I just know that like when I've shared my brokenness with people, 
Um, it's different than when I share what I do, where I'm from. Like, it's just different. And you walk away feeling different and you walk away feeling encouraged. And I just had all these like, like passions and joys inside of me and like realizations like that. And so I was like, I'm going to write a book about, um, I feel like this past season of my life, I've been learning a lot about holding my pain lightly and what that looks like and what that means and knowing God and also holding my pain and still growing and also still dealing with like mental issues as like depression and stuff like that. And I still deal with those things, but I also know joy too. And it's been this beautiful, like just constant thing in my life of knowing pain, but also being beautiful too. And I just felt like God was like, you need to write about that. And there's so many people out there who are trying to like fake it till they make it and like pretend like they have to have it all together and I only know how to not have it all together that's like what I know and that's how I live my life and and who I am and I'm not afraid to be who I am and sometimes it's crazy and weird and sometimes it's broken but I'm still beautiful and I'm still loved and so I was like I'm gonna write my book about that and I felt like God like just gave me so many things that I needed to like start that process and um it's so funny because like I wanted to stop and then three days later, I got an email from someone who her name's Elizabeth and she's been super helpful, like getting me um, like you have to create a proposal for it. There's a lot of steps that I didn't know, but like I was like, I'm not writing this book. And then three days later, I got an email. And so God's hands just been over it from the second he told me I was going to write it. So it's just a combination of my love for words and pain and how the broken in your life can make you beautiful and how you can use it to follow your dreams whatever you like whatever your pain is and what you want to use it for like that's what it kind of in a little short summary of what it's about so yeah i love that concept of 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 carrying your pain lightly yeah and then i you know that means not to allow it to weigh you down and stop you Mm -hmm. but to somehow be able to function with the pain yeah you don't necessarily have to have everything fixed yeah so you you're not fixed no. Yeah. You're still managing yeah. it and you're still dealing with it. Yeah. And um, what what pain like what is when you when you when you write this, what is some of the pain you're talking about? I know a little bit and that would be some emotional pain. Yeah. And you've had some battles with depression. Yeah. And anxiety. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit of that because I know there are people listening who struggle with that. Yeah. And it they they allow it to stop them from doing, yeah. you know, a lot of things in life. And there could be a, a mom listening and she struggles with anxiety or depression and yeah. thinks she'll never be a good mom, you know, because how are her kids ever going to, you know, follow her if she battles all these different emotional um, feelings and that are negative, et cetera. So talk to me a little bit about your, some of your pain yeah. and what it is that you've learned to function with. Um, I mean, I feel like I, there's, I feel like I've only like know like have known pain like I feel like that's just a constant um like theme and just so you don't really remember a time where you didn't have some pain no um I feel like this most recent season is like I feel like I finally know God like I'm getting to know God as a father and not as a healer and I feel like it's Mm. always been that it's just been God healing things and taking me out of things and like um, which is beautiful. And I'm so glad because not a lot of people, I mean, there are a lot of people sadly nowadays who just it's pain all the time, but there are people who like don't have that story of like, you know, which is great too. There's nothing wrong with that, but like, and I'm, and I'm so thankful that I do know Jesus in that way as healer, um, of like some really, really heavy things. Um, I'm so thankful for that, but that's just kind of been my story. I just had a a broken childhood and dealt with a lot of like mental things and went through a season of suicide and, um, just really unhealthy relationships. This this when you were the suicide tendencies or the the struggle with that, was it a teenager? Yeah, I was a teenager. Um, and I, felt because of my pains from my childhood I felt like I didn't really have anybody to talk to so a lot of my pain um has been carried on my own which has been super hard and that's another lesson I feel like I'm learning is like carrying like a you can't hold your pain lightly you can by yourself but it's so different when you hold your pain lightly with good people in your life and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's been a constant theme in my life um this past season um of just knowing God as a father and like not being scared of like letting people in Um, I think as you go closer to Jesus, you want a lot of the things that he says that we need um, because you're trying to be like him instead of run from him. I feel like for so long I was running from him Mm. as he was like fixing things. But now I feel like it's more of like me wanting to be like Jesus. So wanting the things that he wants, even though they're really, really hard sometimes. But um, yeah, so there's just been a lot of pain. Um, And 
the concept of holding it lightly, um, even though I still, I mean, I still struggle with depression. I feel like my anxiety, um, it's been actually pretty bad this week, but um, f- for the past like couple years, it's been really, really well. And I feel like um, because I um, had to have some really honest conversations with myself about my anxiety and w- like just honestly owning up to some of my crap, um, I feel like a lot of my anxiety was caused by myself trying to control things. Um, even like being a seven, like I feel like that's something like we try to like control a lot of things. Like I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned like about even Enneagram and just like learning who I am as a person has also like come with having to admit a lot of things about yourself that kind of really suck. Um, and I never was at that stage in life where I could talk to you about some of the things that I did wrong or like some of my unhealthy qualities. Like I was always everybody else's fault. I was a really, really good um, victim player. But I feel like just as I've grown with God, I've had to like have those honest conversations. So holding your pain lightly is just like figuring out who you are and like admitting your stuff out loud and not letting it define you. Like so my anxiety has been better. Um, but my depression is something that I feel like was rooted in me when I was six from my parents' divorce. And so, I mean, I spent, honestly, up until my early 20s, um, like, struggling with it, but not knowing that I was struggling with it. So it's a lot more harder to, like, kind of manage now, and I'm still figuring it out, and I'm still praying for healing on it. But, I mean, there was, you know, 16 years where I had it and didn't know that – not 16 years, like 14 years that I had it and I didn't know I had it. So um, depression has been a lot different, but holding it lightly looks like having it, but not letting it, um, learning how to deal with it and learning what my body needs and learning what I can handle and not pushing myself too far. And sometimes taking a day to just like chill and not, and being honest and just being like, Hey, I'm feeling depressed, but like not sitting in it, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, holding it so lightly you, you is just... you were depressed for a number of years but didn't have a name for it because you yeah. didn't know that's what it was. Yeah. You just... This was normal to you, right? Yeah. yeah. So every day you you were battling with depression but not knowing you were battling with it. Yeah. You just kind of... This is life. Yeah. This is reality. So self-awareness, mm-hmm. um, was that through counseling? Did you go to counseling or how did you become aware of what was going on? You mentioned the Enneagram. Yeah. Um what how how did you kind of come to this knowledge that I'm depressed like I need help um I think I was so used to always like being heavy and that was kind of normal to me and um I think that's like as I grew older um I realized it wasn't normal to be feeling so like just heavy all the time when things were like not so good but like I mean I was filling myself up with things that I thought were good and they were like supposed to be good and this heaviness was still there but I feel like when I like got my heart broke for the first time and had these like crazy emotions and like this just like deep 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 sadness and heaviness I was like something's not right and so I mean I went to a therapist and kind of figured it out from there um and then also just a doctor too um it's kind of when I was like oh, like I ain't, like this makes sense of why. Well, did you have an adult in your life at this time encouraging you to get counseling therapy or did you just make this decision on your own or what? Um, th- I had just, this was in high school um, and I had just, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I met Jesus. And so um, this was like probably my end of sophomore year, junior year. So I had good people in my life um, who definitely were encouraging me. I was in a small group and things like that. But um yeah, I definitely had mentors and things that, you know, would talk to me about it. Um, but counseling on my was kind of on my own. Like I went, my parents didn't even know I went because um, I was too scared to talk to him about it. But yeah, um, I think it's just through good people that kind of revealed it to me and, and it made more sense. Yeah, now you mentioned the Enneagram. I love mm-hmm. the Enneagram, just studying it and learning about myself and others. And you're a seven. Yeah. Tell us a, l- a little bit about that, because I know there are people listening have no idea what you mean when you say I'm a seven. You I'm know? a seven. Yeah. yeah I didn't. So what is that, and and how did that play maybe into your pain? Yeah. Um, it's funny because as some like as a seven, um, a seven is the enthusiast. Um, it's like I call myself the energizer bunny. I just go and go and go, and um, we just love different activities. And like like filling ourselves up with like 500 things. I feel like I'm passionate about 
a list of right. that goes on for about two hours but um that's basically a seven in a nutshell and um how that works with my pain it's kind of crazy because sevens run from pain hmm. and um they're like deepest fear is being in pain um which also makes a lot of sense too because um even though now i'm so open about my pain um I spent so many years running from it and filling myself up with things and kind of sevens do that. They fill themselves up with activities and things like that. And then they crash and they burn and they're exhausted and they just, and that is so true for my life. So, um, being a seven has just been, um, it's helped me understand myself a lot. Um, and Enneagram has been a really cool tool. So when I said, you know, being a seven, it's just the the journey of finding myself. And as I like to talk about it, when, um, I write is like, coming home to myself. I feel like I started to do that instead of neglecting um, me and, and my pain and things that were wrong with me. I kind of just took a lot of time to just sit with it and and figure out who I was and who I am in Jesus and who I am like just as Taylor. Yeah. Let's talk a, a little bit about mental health and mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, et cetera, because you commented a, a minute ago or a couple minutes ago that this week anxiety mm-hmm. was was a little rough yeah. or you battled with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some, you know, struggles with anxiety in my my life and a little bit of uh, battles with depression. Uh, I know for me, there are certain triggers, there are certain mm-hmm. things I can almost predict, you know, in a certain environment or whatever probably will trigger some anxiety. And I can yeah. almost tell internally when it's starting to come. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that true of you as well? Do yeah. you know when anxiety is getting ready to flare up or yeah. can you tell me a little bit about how, how you know that? Um, help help other people listening that may not know to be aware of certain things. Yeah. Um, depression, I can't, I don't know how to describe it, but there's just like this heaviness that comes on my chest when it's mm-hmm. like about to get really, really bad. Um, I just feel like physically feel different. Yeah. And then the same with anxiety too. Like if I'm about uh, to like have, I don't have it like as many as I used to when I was like a teenager, but panic attacks, like mm-hmm. you just like, you can feel it in your body. Um, and I've also like, that's something that I've done too, is just spent a lot of time like learning about my body. And like, I can tap, like I pay attention to it when mm-hmm. it's tense, like things like that. And with anxiety, I know I'm a lot more tense and in a lot more pain in certain areas. Um, like, especially my back will get really bad too. If I'm like, I know I'm starting to freak out, but even just like, I don't know. It's so weird to put into words, but like I just I've dealt with it for so long. And now that I'm actually finally like starting to like look at it and listen to it, I can feel like actual shifts in um, my body. I think that's a really big sign for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I start that's all about self-awareness. Yeah. Just becoming very aware of yourself. Yeah. And that's what I want to encourage others who are listening that, you know, here here you are. You have a a demanding job. Mm -hmm. You travel a lot. You're still very young. Um, you've learned a lot about yourself by the time you're 25. You're looking at writing a book. Uh, you're getting a lot of attention, you know, because of Instagram and because of, um, you know, your your blog. Mm-hmm. And you'll get a lot more attention when your book is is finalized. So the more aware you are of, of Taylor, the mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Because you're going to have to pay attention to your body. Pay attention to these almost like a premonition. Yeah. You know, I know I'm getting ready to have a, an anxiety attack or depression um i always tell people self-awareness is is powerful yeah but it's also very difficult yeah it's scary it is scary it is i don't think there's anything really more scary than to look inside Mm -hmm. you know because when you start really exploring and again i don't know if this is true of you i i predict it is because i i think i have a pretty good handle on 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 you know human nature in general i have at least a, a small understanding of it and that is that you know we do a lot of things to avoid looking on the inside of us mm-hmm. because when we start looking down deep, we start seeing things that we thought we buried. Yeah. We thought we closed the door on. We thought we were over them. Yeah. And that could be a mom. It could mm-hmm. be a dad. It could be the divorce that our parents went through when we were very young. could be a broken relationship that, oh, I'm over that, mm-hmm. you know, and we move on. Yeah. And on the outside, we're not crying, but on the inside, we still are. Yeah. And then we start exploring some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It brings up a lot of dirt and it brings, it opens up doors that we, we were hopeful would forever remain closed. Yeah. That's painful. You, is that true of you too? Yeah. I know it has been for me. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing about self-awareness is having to go back mm-hmm. 
into the past yeah. and drag out some skeletons that I was hopeful would stay buried, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't. And I had to deal with them yeah. because they were part of, of who I am. And that's really hard. Mm-hmm. So is it true of you that you maybe you, you can meet people or whether it's on a flight, you know, maybe it's a difficult, you know, customer. And I'm sure that rarely ever happens that you have. <laughs> that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Right. Um, maybe meet people uh, and it triggers maybe feelings or or depression or anxiety, whether it, it may not be a, a customer, but yeah. it could be a, a it could be a family member or maybe you revisit a city and in that city you had pain or Mm -hmm. or whatever. Do you find some of that true? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Definitely. I don't really think necessarily in people um, unless it's like family members bringing Mm -hmm. up things. Um, But yeah, definitely. um, Like I couldn't go when I was dating this person. Um, I moved to DC and I couldn't go to DC for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And I just went um, like probably a year last fall. And that was like the first time I was okay being there. Um, and even like a, I went um, to a spot um, that had to do with that relationship too. And it just yeah. like, it brings up so, I'm very, very triggered. Seasons are very mm-hmm. triggering. Just as a creative too, mm-hmm. um, I feel things so deeply already. And then dealing with depression, I feel things so deeply it, already. Uh, and that That is something a lot of people who are not creative yeah. have a difficult time understanding. But those who are creative... Mm-hmm. They, they know, I'm telling you, when you say you feel something deeply, yeah. it is almost as if you're, you know, you have all these sensors on the mm-hmm. outside and they're all maxed out. Yeah. And it, it literally could be a restaurant yeah. or it could be the smell of food mm-hmm. or the smell of cologne or yeah. perfume or a song on the radio. Music or, is the worst. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. And it, it triggers things yeah. and you, it's almost as if you've gone back in time. And there you are again four years ago yeah. or there you are again and you're older 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's almost as if your memory really doesn't have, you know, a lapse of time. Yeah. It's it's eternally present. And something triggers that and brings you right back to that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is amazing, Taylor, is that you are 25 and already becoming aware of these things. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of people are not aware of themselves until they're in their late 30s early 40s some not even until their 50s or beyond so you have a jump start you know on that and and i don't think you'll ever get to a point where you never battle you know the the past or you'll ever get to a place where you are completely free from depression and anxiety that's who you are you're 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 wired up a certain way and you've had mm-hmm. some wounds, mm-hmm. but you certainly have got a jump start on learning to manage and cope and, yeah. and, and ultimately have um, a place of freedom yeah. in your life, which I think is exciting. Yeah. Well, that's some really deep stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that's heavy even probably to talk through some of that. Will a lot of this be in your book? Um, Will you yeah. tell a lot of your own personal story in it to set things up or what? Yeah, it'll be a lot of my personal story and it'll be a lot of just like, Because it's kind of hard sometimes when you read a book and it's Mm -hmm. all about the person. And like, I don't necessarily want it to be all about me, but I want people to be able to like feel safe and like be able to connect to that pain. So um, it'll be a lot of my personal story. And then it'll be a lot about things Jesus has taught me. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus has shown me it'll be a lot about traveling and realizations from that. And just a lot of um, my pain being beautiful and how God has used that to grow me into something beautiful and yeah. it'll be things that people can connect with um and not just all about me yeah so yeah a lot of it will be in the book though at this point have you seen a lot of your story resonating with people like when you come to a place like forest park this past weekend talking because yeah. so, i noticed after the propel gathering you you, you stayed around and yeah. you talk with several ladies mm-hmm. and you're with them for a good amount of time yeah um i have no idea what you talked about but i assume some of that mm-hmm. was some of the ladies um identifying yeah. what you've gone through mm-hmm. uh, I think that'll happen tonight yeah. you know here we are getting ready to to walk into the student service and that'll happen with a lot of the students do you find your story really opening a lot of doors yeah for you to talk to people about their very private and personal battles they yeah. go through yeah I do and it's not necessarily them saying yes like there were some ladies yesterday who were like I the exact same thing. That's my story, yeah. but I didn't figure it out till I was 40. Right. Um, but then a lot of them were like, I appreciate you opening up. Mm-hmm. Also, this is what I deal with. And it had nothing to do with me. But 
it's just beautiful when you can like be real and vulnerable and raw how safe you make people feel Mm -hmm. and like i i'm like the person because of the way that i am and just being blunt and honest people i'm always the person that people want to tell everything to and i think when you have that mindset of like being okay with your pain and being able to like not be confident in it but know how to like own it because you can say hey this is where i'm wrong but also this is not going to define me too Mm -hmm. i think people get inspired by that and they want to be around that because they can feel like they can be their true like honest self so yeah there's a lot of times where people can say wow i've been through some of those same things but also just because you're putting yourself out there and being vulnerable people feel safe and Mm -hmm. then they want to share their stuff with you too and you know i might not be able to say wow me too but i can say like thank you for sharing that like and encourage them in whatever they're going through yeah well you're the kind of person who who really gives people permission to confess their own pain mm-hmm. and admit it you know and i think a lot of people need that yeah. i've said before that I've, you know I, I remember reading and i cannot remember the book that i read it from right now at this moment but it sparked the idea inside of me of just going around and giving people permission slips yeah I think people just need permission sometimes. Hey, you can be honest. Hey, yeah. you know, try. Go for it. You know, begin the book you want to write. Start the business that you've been thinking about. Begin the ministry that, that, that's inside of you. Uh, it's okay to laugh. Yeah. You know, it's okay to try new food. It's okay to travel. Just yeah. give people permission. I think a lot of people are just trapped. Yeah. And when they come and listen to a story like your, like yours, and I think the other thing that really kicks it up is that you're young. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you, you listen to someone, they're, you know, they're in their 60s and they've learned some lessons in mm-hmm. life. And people sitting there may think, well, maybe when I'm in my 60s, then I'll be able to do some of those things. But here you are at 25 and you've already learned some lessons. And I'm, I know there's a lot more you're going to learn, you know, <laughs> yeah. and there's, you know, we, no one is a, is making the, um, you know, ridiculous assumption that you've already figured things out and you know now you're already beyond all of that you still got pain and hurt and learning but you're 25 and starting this journey you give people hope Mm -hmm. especially the other 20 some year olds who are thinking they're going to have to wait till they're older and married with kids before they ever figure it out you're giving them some hope and i think that's exciting i really do do you you ever struggle you ever struggle with just listening to people's stories and then carrying some of that with you Oh, all the time. Yeah. I carry everything. Yeah. I Especially as a creative. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm a fixer too, mm-hmm. just because I think my parents divorced. Like I wanted, I just wanted to fix everything right. and I wanted to make it better. And just because loving, so people or loving people, like I just, I'm a fixer. I want to yeah. fix everything. How Have you learned any tricks, any, any tips that you could give on how to manage other people's pain? Because when you travel and you see and you come to a place like this and you talk to girls and you talk to ladies yeah. and they share things with you and you carry that back to the hotel room, you carry yeah. that back home, you know, how do you process that? Do you process that? Have you figured anything out yet on that? Yeah. Um, it's really hard um, yeah. to not like honestly for it to make me depressed sometimes like because I just get so sad because I see myself like in Mm -hmm. them and sometimes I just want to like shake them and be like it's going to be okay or like even be like why are you do you know like but I get it and so I can't like the only thing that I like have um I guess learned how to do with that is just like bring it to Jesus and like and just pray um and also like always be available like I will literally give my number to anyone who needs it and I think sometimes it's not about trying to fix things it's just about like listening like Mm -hmm. sometimes people don't want you to fix them so true and you can't fix people who don't want to be fixed and I think I mean I see parents do it all the time like trying to fix like they don't want that unless they ask you for it and so sometimes just listening and being there and like letting them know they're loved even though like that may seem overused like sometimes people need that and sometimes those like words are like they'll remember when they like throw it out of their mind in a minute you know and so just I've just tried my hardest to not I'm a really big controller too and just like not control it and know that like when I was going through my pain like the only things that like helped were Jesus and time in like and sometimes you can't tell people things um even like sometimes I get not offended, but I get hurt when people talk about anxiety and depression because um, it's so, it's just so touchy. And so just honestly, like making sure I'm available and trying my hardest to not um, like let it 
really, really upset me. Um, it's so hard to yeah. do, but I just kind of have to lay it down and be like, you have your own things too. And like, if you carry all this, like everybody else's stuff, like you will be a like weight at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just been being available. That's yeah. honestly all I can do. Yeah. So, And you're going to have to be, you know, more and more aware and more and more careful of that as mm-hmm. more attention comes to you. Yeah. Because, you know, unfortunately people assume if you're standing up front mm-hmm. and you know you got a microphone in front of you that you are beyond pain or you've already experienced all the healing and now you have all the answers and that is not at all what you're saying when you put a microphone on or Maybe. you hold one yeah um i've listened to you several times heard a couple other podcasts with you and just got a chance to get to know you a little bit this week and that's not at all what you're saying what you're saying is which i think your book will say very well and that is you know, I've learned how to manage some of my pain. Mm-hmm. I have become more aware of who I am. Yeah. And I'm just learning every day how to surrender this to, to Jesus. Yeah. And how to learn how to partner with him and let him lead me and guide me. So I'm going to take a few lessons I've learned and share them with you. Yeah. And I think if we have you back, you know, five years from today and your book has been out and you've done some other podcast and you've taught in some other places I think you'll have a whole nother list of things you've learned you know yeah and which I think is exciting yeah to just watch all of that unfold in your Mm -hmm. life so I got some other questions that are very light okay Okay. we'll move away from the heavy yeah um the name of your book will be do you have a title for it yet yeah okay Um, what what it will be called so people can look for it uh it will be called Hold it lightly. Hold it lightly. Yeah. And hopefully that'll come out within within uh, the next year. Yeah. Right? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. And you're in the process of doing it already. Yeah. Writing it down. And uh, so, you know, those of you listening, pay attention when the book comes out. Uh, follow uh, Taylor on Instagram. And we'll put a link on Instagram. And that's the best place, right? Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And we'll put your address there and ever how people can get up with you. But uh, it's just uh, it's a joy to be able to follow you and see kind of where you go and what you're doing. So let's turn a little bit because I think some people be interested in just your whole world of being a flight attendant. So how long have you been doing this? The flight attending? Um, since April of 2014. So it's been four years and some change. Okay. And how, do you have any idea how many flights you've already taken? Oh, No. A like bunch. a lot. Okay. I don't. I wanted to calculate like how many miles I would do right. in a year, but I couldn't keep up with it. I really, I don't, I cannot even imagine. Okay, so you're all over the place. Yeah, international mm-hmm. and and national. Yeah, right. Okay, and uh, just a couple questions on that. Why being a flight attendant? What drew you to that? Why did you want to become that? Um, I feel like I still am but I was young and broke and I wanted something that I could grow with but not have to go to school for Mm -hmm. and um, I just thought about all the things that I'm passionate about and um, I love people and I feel like God has given me a heart to love the hardest people to Mm -hmm. love Um, I just felt so called to that and I feel like people traveling are like their worst selves Mm -hmm. and so I was just like I don't like it's (laughs) It's kind of like a love-hate relationship. Yeah. Like I knew it was going to be like what I'm called to do, but that does not mean it's easy. So yeah, I just love to travel. I was young and kind of just wanted change. I was from, I'm from North Carolina and kind of just was like, I don't know, I want to do something different. And so now you've I, been out of North Carolina how long? Three um, years? Four I moved years? to live. Uh, no, um, I left when I was 19 to get okay. like live on my own. So I was in Florida then. So honestly, since I've been 19, so six years yeah yeah and you, t- you told us earlier you're losing your twang yes sad <laughs> I, th- I gotta fake it if i want to sound like i'm from the south <laughs> right but you love the twang i do yeah. i love the twang. and you love the sweet tea i love the sweet tea i noticed when you first got back to north carolina one of the first things you did was go to bojangles mm-hmm. right no Lord. bojangles in 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 uh chicago no the only time i ever get it is if i fly through charlotte and oh, i like yeah. sprint there and then i, I go bet. to the rocking chair Absolutely. so that's my tradition <laughs> right. So there's a lot of great things that come with being a flight attendant. Obviously, yeah. flexible schedule, mm-hmm. traveling all around the world, yeah. you get a chance to be in new cities. I'm sure you've got a chance, an opportunity to eat in different places and go to coffee shops in different cities and mm-hmm. literally different countries and all yeah. those different things. So that brings a lot of fun travel excitement and different things. What is probably the most difficult, though, part of just being a flight attendant? Um, I feel like... Um, 
it's definitely a romanticized career Mm -hmm. um but it's very lonely and it's very tiring and as someone who um just i mean struggles with mental health it's very 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 hard to do because i mean i get mean people i don't get a lot of sleep sometimes there's no stability which i love but also i don't think is good for my mental health um but as like someone just like even being a seven on enneagram like i feel like it's so good for that but yeah it's um really really draining and i come home and i'm exhausted Mm -hmm. and then i run around and then i go right back to work still exhausted so um yeah it's been very draining and very what's what's probably a miss um kind of a you know uh, people think this is true of being a flight a myth if you will of being a flight attendant because you said it's kind of romanticized what do you think kind of the myth is and what's reality well i think when people think of flight attendants they think of like these like magical like i don't know you see it in the movies you Mm -hmm. see it on tv Mm -hmm. like it's just very like this room like yeah romanticized career but i don't think people think about um, I work every Christmas. I will mm. never be at home for Christmas, maybe in like 20 years. Um, people who have kids, like if you get stuck somewhere, you, you like they don't think about like, I guess that we're normal people. I right. think they just think we're up there walking and everyone assumes, cloud nine. Right. And everyone assumes when they get on that flight that you guys are going to be super kind <laughs> and feel great and just yeah. make their flight perfect. And I am, imagine that a lot of people blame you guys if things oh, yeah. are the plane's hot or yeah. it's delayed or whatever, you know, can you guys fix this? And you guys are probably wanting it fixed Yeah, too. it's like, the well, you yeah. go through security, you get patted down, so yeah. they're already mad about that. Then you get mm-hmm. your favorite perfume thrown away. Then the flight is delayed. Then the agents mean, then your seats right. change. And then they get on and then they load this all on us. And my response every time is, sir, ma'am, I'm always like, I'm here to serve you drinks. <laughs> and a smile and honestly i'm very sorry but i have no idea what happened once you got on the plane right. i'm here to make sure give you a drink and make sure if we get in a crash i'll keep you safe that's it <laughs> that's and then it. they you know but yeah definitely they like to weigh all of their weight on us sure, and sure. i can't do anything about sure. it so yeah, yeah. imagine well do you see yourself doing this long term flight attending i pray to the lord no yeah. but um <laughs> five years you know, there's something um, that you see yourself within the next I, five years, probably. I would. That's reality. Yeah. I hope, probably yeah. not. But um, yeah, I debt prep for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know what's next. I would like to, you know, write and things like that, and um, hopefully have kids one day and stuff like that too. So yeah. Well, I hope so too. I hope the book takes off, and it's amazing. Thank that's you. That's what I hope because I I'd love to see that that happen. Yeah. All right, a few more questions and, and we're done here, okay? okay. What, uh, what is a day off for Taylor, like a fun day? If you could choose a day off and do whatever you want to do, go wherever you want to go, and just enjoy the day, what would it look like? Um, I think it depends, but probably I'm really bad at staying at home. I love to just go, um, but it would probably be staying at home in Chicago going to my favorite coffee shop and just kind of hanging out, um, maybe hanging with some of my really good friends. And I am such like a sitter. I just love to sit because I never sit. Mm -hmm. And so it's just not like just sitting in the grass with like a burrito, like just nothing crazy. Maybe buying a plant if I'm feeling crazy for for my house. But um, yeah, I just like sitting and hanging and relaxing because I really do not know how to do that. Because you go so much. Yeah. Yeah. the Energizer Bunny. So, yeah. yeah. Now, are you music or movies? Um, Both. Music. Or, oh, music. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I love movies too. Favorite but, band? Um, local Natives. Okay. Um, or Mason Ramsey. Okay. Great. Maybe we can link to both of those, too. Yeah. Just you, the Walmart yodel kid. He's my hero right now. Okay. Great. Yeah. All right. And food. I'm curious. What's a favorite food of yours? Um, probably, oh man, I love okra, fried okra. I love that. That's not necessarily a food. It's more do of you a fix, side. Do you fix fried okra? No, I do not have okay. a, a frying oil pan gadget, but, um, I love fried okra. There's nowhere in Chicago that you can get it, which is sad, but, um, I love fried okra. Maybe you could start that. I know. Maybe we can start a little stand. Yeah. Um, I love Mexican food too. You can't go wrong with Mexican food. Um, And I love like 
Indian has been my new favorite, but Thai is like probably mm. hands down number one. Thai food. Yeah, love Thai food. Yeah. I'm you sure there's amazing it. Thai restaurants in Chicago. Yeah, there's. Yeah. yeah. Got them on speed dial. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One other question. And if you could have a meal and a, a lingering meal, you know, great food, mm-hmm. great dessert, coffee, and you could do that with anyone. Justin Bieber. <laughs> other than Justin Bieber. <laughs> got to finish the question. No. I was of like course. waited. Yeah. I was like. With Justin Bieber. That's who you would choose to have coffee and meal with oh, and just man. talk and just, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking past, present, whether they're living or gone on, you could just have that hour, two hours with this person. You know, that would be it. I mean, probably, but that's not fair because there's like 500 other people that would want it. Could it be a family style dinner or just one? (laughs) Okay, so you've got just a golden crown buffet. Who else else is there? (laughs) Oh, man. I feel like I would invite. Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Michael Jordan, Tupac, Mason Ramsey. <laughs> what a meal. This Hannah Montana. Fun. This is going to be the whole party, the whole crew. We're going to rent out a whole restaurant. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, fun. All right, Taylor, It's it's been a real honor to have you here. And uh, so excited about where you're going next. And we're going to be your fans and follow you and watch what happens. And so those of you listening and you're just now getting to to know Taylor, please go to Instagram. What's tell us how to how to reach you quickly. Um, Taylor Tippett on Instagram and uh, Venmo Taylor Tippett. Okay. And do you do you keep are you pretty quick with with. With updates. technology? No, I'm saying up, updates. Do you put things out yeah, a lot? Okay. Yeah, I put a lot of posts out, and then Good. I do – my personality definitely shows mm-hmm. if you watch my stories. But, yeah. yeah, a lot of heartfelt things on my profile, and then my personality is like my – or my everyday life is like on my Instagram stories, so you right. can watch that too. Great. And then your book will come out soon, and everybody Hopefully, can pick yeah. it up. Lord yeah, Lord willing. That'll be great. Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, thank you. Real honor to have you here. Thank and you. Uh, excited about what's next for you. All right. Peace out. Yes. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Leader Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, I'd love to interact with you. You can reach me by visiting scottneal.me or like my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottneal online. I'd love to know what you're thinking and answer any questions you have.